nosotros queremos construir el socialismo. Nos hemos declarado partidarios de los que luchan por la paz. Nos hemos declarado dentro del grupo de países no alineados, a pesar de ser marxistas-leninistas, porque los no alineados como nosotros luchan contra el imperialismo. Queremos paz. Brought, by, brought in after the, between him and the Aberdeen 8. 
and um, what's also happened is that there are two fixtures um, after that which would have been St Mirren away and uh, Aberdeen at home have both been postponed to a later date which means it's uh, we're going to be playing on it already an extremely congested uh, footballing calendar yes so after that five minute spiel um, what do you think? apart from it being grossly irresponsible in terms of a, a human factors point, from a human factors point of view it's just it's really disappointing in a footballing sense because it's put those two games would have been part of the plan that the backroom staff have put in place for months and months of getting the guys up to speed to hit the ground running when it comes to Champions League qualifiers and they've now had another week and a half two weeks to sit to not playing competitive football and now we're expected on Tuesday to go in um, and, aye, and play basically a competitive Champions League qualifier that is the a one a one time thing we're only getting we don't have a home and away leg we're only going to get have to do this over 90 minutes so that and the football inside it's really disappointing that way as well where he's, he's cost his preparation for running into the most important games that we have of our season in my opinion I don't know what the right option is in terms of disciplining but I'm not calling for his head to be sacked to put it that way but I'd be very surprised if, if he gets near any of the squad for any of the games for a long time unless barring poor injury um a crisis and a poor injuries according to guys like Greg Taylor and even Luca Connell could play left back as well and I think he is now further down the pecking order than he's ever ever has been and I'm happy with that because he was a nightmare as well he was he was unfortunately in my opinion he wasn't Celtic standard he wasn't up to it he was a stop gap it was a punt that was taken I think by the club because he maybe had two or three good games and he thought we like the look of this guy we can get him for a couple million quid and they weren't sure as well what was going to happen with Greg Taylor, whether or not he was going to turn out to be as good a player as maybe Tierney or better. So I think I think it will be moved on. And I'd be surprised if it doesn't happen in this window. Aye, uh, I'd love to agree with you, mate. I think, <clears throat> I, think I, I would like to see him go, um, whether that's sacked or... Uh, or moved on in terms of a transfer, then I, I would be content with either one of them. Um, I think before continuing on speaking about Bolly, it's important to lay the blame at the, the real culprit in this entire situation who is currently playing his trade at left-back for Arsenal in the Premier League because if he hadn't have exchanged his boyhood club for a coin, we wouldn't have had to go out and look for a left-back and we wouldn't have signed Bolly Bollingoli. So it's just another um, notch on the bedpost that Kieran Tierney um, royally done his own. Um, so I yep. did... <laughs> I, I, I just like to attribute blame first and foremost to him. Um, I've never, I mean, I've never seen such a, never seen an incident in Scottish football since Lennon and McCoy did that argument in the touchline that required the first minister to comment <laughs> on it. Um, the fact that she was and the chief medical officer, uh, Jason Leach as well, had to stand on a podium in front of the, the nation and, and discuss volleyball and golly's holiday for the week before. Uh, it's bizarre. It was just bizarre. It was. It was kind of. It was just a bit sort of hard to believe. Um, just strange. And I, I think the thing that you know, the, the thing that I took away from the interview that Lennon did the next day, which by the way, maybe he shouldn't have done. It was the expected pre-match conference for the St Mirren game. Yeah. And they still went through it, even though the game was called off. And I don't think they really should have. For a number of reasons, primarily because obviously the club are going through a disciplinary process. And any half decent employment lawyer would look at that and say. Well, Lennon's already made a judgment on this, right. you know, before they've actually gone through their due process. But apart from that, um, Lennon was asked by a journalist, does the player recognise the, the gravity of what, you've done, what he's done? Um, to which Lennon kind of shook his head and said, I don't think so. As if to sort of infer that maybe Bolly was not the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, I don't think we're dealing with a rain trust here. And I don't think that... Uh, <laughs> I, I think he genuinely thought that he was going to get away with flying to Spain heated all in Gucci clays and a Louis Vuitton suitcase sitting in the front row of a Ryanair flight I don't think the guy understood how famous he was in Scotland but also do you remember when he first signed for us last year and he was uh, selling cameo videos for 20 quid and he's selling tracks that's right yeah. I don't think this is a guy that's got a great track record of, of uh, solid judgment no. I'm not saying he was anything wrong with the guy he, did that. he was doing it for charity I don't know what he was doing it for but 
Um, can you really do that in Scotland? You're probably too famous if you're playing for Celtic to sell 20 quid shout-outs on the internet. Um, and I think that was maybe the precursor to what is... I think even Wagner charges you more than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's bigoted, you know, he'll sing anything you want, you know what I mean? Um, but I just, I just can't believe it's how just stupid you would need so to be there. It was disappointing, it really was. It was really disappointing. Because all the clubs, not just Celtic, all the clubs have worked really hard to adhere to the guidelines that the government the really strict guidelines as well that the government have set them out and for it to be undone so easily like that it was just I it was the disappointment the, it's the old classic I'm not angry with you I'm disappointed I mean I, no, I'm fairly angry and I, I, the reason I'm fairly angry is because it looked as if the game Aberdeen was actually going to go ahead yeah, which would have seen us play Aberdeen at home with they missing 8 players they kind of say Aberdeen at home has ever really been the, the most troubling fixture in the world um, but nonetheless it would have been nice to play them with you know, eight or the reserves. Basically, the reserves. You know, at home rather than play a full strength Aberdeen team. And I don't know if you've been the same this season, mate. But at the start of this year, whenever I've seen a player sign for another team, almost every single time I've thought to myself, he's going to be the guy who costs us the league. So like when Craig Gordon signed for Hearts, whilst he was still in the possibility of staying up, I was thinking to myself, he's going to be the guy that costs us the league. You know, when we his life at Tyne Castle, aye, six know, weeks to go. Everybody and anybody that signs <laughs> or looks at a Scottish football club, I'm looking at them going, that's going to be the high cost, is it? Because your, your, your nerves are at 100, you know what I mean? Um, and and I, can I get a sneaky feeling that I'm looking at these two fixtures for the next six months, going to lie to myself, they're going to be two games that cost uh, us a league. Um, so here's hoping that's not the case. Um, just, just to kind of wrap this up before we move on to talking about the actual Commander game, and, and it ties in with this, um, I was really hoping that, I don't think, uh, our friends from the other side of the city are very, are very solid this year. I think they're quite fragile, mm-hmm. and I think they, they, at the end of the season last year, demonstrating that sort of fragility, we were a bit of an implosion, you know. Yep. Um, I don't think it would have took much this year for for a meltdown to take place. Uh, you know, Ibrox. I think that if we would have come flying at the traps and set the pace for the first ten to twelve games and won them all, yep. and took Rangers back to Celtic Park on the seventeenth of October and gave them a bit of a doing. I don't think I would have been surprised to see calls for Gerard to go or yep. whatever it would have been. Um, I think that, that that would have been in a dream world, you know, us getting that game four points clear, three points clear, with a chance to kind of put a bit of distance between us and Rangers. And all this has done is mean that that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, we're effectively going to be six points behind Rangers until those fixtures can get played. Yep. You might be looking at January, February before that, that actually happens. But again, if they're not, I'm I'm on board with you. I don't think they're as great as uh, I mean what they're trying to tell us they are. I think it's a very distinct possibility as well that we could be back on level points, or we could be three or four points ahead with the two games in hand, and we're playing that well that we look at them and go, "Yep, there's six points to push," and be really confident that we're going to actually go and get it. Matter, mate, unless the points are on the board. You know what I mean? I don't disagree with you. I think we, we, there's a very real possibility that we might end up even on poison before we play those fixtures. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather still have the points in the no, world. No, definitely. And it's just, it's just that's that's the feeling right now is that you know we could be sitting here just now, you know, even on points, uh, and, and an opportunity to start turning the screw over the next few weeks. And uh, we've missed that because uh, Bowie wanted to go to Spain. Is it? Have you? What have you heard about why he went? Well, two reasons or. Potentially two reasons. One of which was he he was suiting. Uh, he was he was courting. meeting a uh, court and other clubs, so he went to meet representatives from other clubs. And what was the other one? The other one was he was away for a bird. Uh, and I get the feeling, if I'm being honest with you, mate, I know which one of the I, two. I, 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 think I, just, I think if, when I seen it at first, the first thing I thought was there's a bird involved here. She better be a ten, tell me. Um, so I Bolly then came off the bench and played for 10 minutes as I mentioned against Kilmarnock away yeah, so, so we should probably move on to that Kilmarnock away it was probably good when I spoke last week because I think both of would have been a bit upset with us I was deflated for a good couple of days at least you want to summarise the game for us as a result drab it was lacking any sort of creativity I thought on our part don't get me wrong I said to you before I thought Kilmarnock had a game plan and they stuck to it rigidly and they they got what they came for which was a point I didn't once think they are going to actually win I can't remember when it was but I remember counting at one point there was eight bodies across the 18 yard box for them and just your big man up front just standing on the halfway line they just were not interested in coming out past the 18 yard box so it finished one each Um, Celtic took the lead through Ryan Christie Um, we had an absolute 
Thunderpumper, yeah, free right. kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a good strike. He did the right thing on target. It bounced just before it got to the goalie, didn't it? And that's their tricky to get to, but I think any good goalie worth their, their salt would want to save that, in my opinion. I think for the TV angle you see, you're right, it looks like it's a bit of a goalkeeper error. Yeah. But I also would argue that that ball could have been good swerving. Good strike. Yeah. Could have been swerving. He's hit yeah. it with the kind of outside, he's left fit almost, um, kind of back towards the inside post. So it's it kind of looks as if it maybe skips in a wee bit. Um, I, I, you're right, a good, a good goalkeeper just packs that away, but it could have been a wee bit more tricky than it appeared because he didn't really get a good angle of it in the way it moved. It was just, I thought he didn't set himself up properly. He was a bit too far to the his right or mm. left when we were looking at it. He was expecting that cross. Aye. And it, I think it's where he takes a step to the wrong side, anticipating the cross as Ryan Christie strikes it, and he's just not set, so he can't get a cross and down it. So, but aye, good strike. Goalie maybe will look at it think he should have done better, but aye, good goal. Right, take me through the equaliser. Uh, right, so there's a couple of things from what I remember of it that just really struck me that I knew as soon as I saw that big lad up front that he was going to give he was going to stick to Christopher Julian all afternoon and give him a real tough time yet. And he did. And so he gets to the byline and Julian is caught kind of wrong side him a bit, he gets round him. I mean the commentators were saying that's a great piece of skill to get past him. It was not a great piece of skill, it was a touch, a small touch. And as he goes by Julian, he Julian Dobby tackles him to the ground. But also, in that same kind of two or three seconds beforehand, Scott Brown's there to lend a hand, and Scott Brown stands between the commander player and the shy line instead of between the commander player and the goalie. So he's right touch against the he's right in it against the uh, the byline here, and I don't know why for the life of me Scott Brown's not going. I'm going to make this safe and stand in behind Julian in case he gets turned because he was really tight. Didn't? Tell you why. I, th- I thought the same, I-, I read this as well, that Brown sort of charged in a wee bit and instead he's supporting Julian and he tried to almost go in and take the ball off him. But if you watch it back, McGregor's standing there. McGregor is standing at the corner of the six-year box. So he's in between the man and... So I think I think Brown could have been more cautious. He could have jockeyed him instead of just mm-hmm. going in and try to win the ball. Oh, right. I disagree. I think it was a good piece of timing, a good piece of skill. He- Julian can't see the ball, he uses it to touch it. He just line. rolls him, it's like any good, him. any good striker of that size, that is your bread and butter, that's what you need to be able he to do. He rolls him, and for me, Julian kind of grabs his hip as he tries to run away and puts his, puts his arm across the front of his body. As soon as you do that, that's it. And he does a big throw to the ground, and it was a stonewall penalty, without a shot of a doubt. When the big man was, was, was terrorising all day, I thought he, thought he really played well, but I think uh, when I look back on it, I think if Julian just let him go, he still has to beat McGregor, Aye. he still has to cut outside, he still has to beat Barkas for a tight angle. Um, and, you know, it, it would have been hard for him to do that, you know what I mean? I, don't think, I think the only other, the major threat there, if, for me as a defender, if I think that he's got an easy cutback to make, if I see that he's got a cutback to make, and then I need to get hands on to stop him. But yeah. I don't remember seeing somebody standing free at the penalty spot just waiting for it. Because again, no. McGregor's there as well, we cut yeah. that out. So I I don't know what I mean. It seems to be like a million yeah. miles an hour. And Flash of blood to the heat. For me, it looked as if it was a sort of pride thing. Oh, definitely. You know, he didn't want to get rolled. Ah, you, know, uh, you know, he just uh, looked to me as if he kind of just naturally grabbed him because he thought he's good by me. I'm gonna, you know, but that that's kind of classic about Julian. He is a good defender. He's solid. He's fine. And there's a lot of panicking. And there certainly was a lot of panicking about him early, early last week. And I don't think he's the best defender in the world. But apart from maybe the games away to Livingston or even Hamilton away in the four-one game where he ended up. Scoring the goal that gave us the lead. Mm-hmm. If I asked the Celtic supporter to name me two or three bad games he had last year, no, there's not much. There's not much after that. But it's the same. It's worrying that it's the same profile of the league of games that he struggles in, where artificial surface and he's got a big lad that's stuck to him, basically that gives him the trouble. So it's a, and it, it is. It's a two. And you've just named them Hamilton as well. Livingston. They play on five G. And so I is that's the only worrying thing. I think if we're going to buy, I hope we're going to buy another defender or two. <clears throat> Excuse me. We need to do our homework and we need to make sure they're comfortable on that surface. I think that's harder to play on for a number of reasons, but I think it's harder for him in particular because exactly as you say, they isolate him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and his job is to go and attack the ball. The eye are kind of speaking up behind him. I always look at it like, see when you think about a corner kick, a corner kick gets put into the box, and when you think about a 360 degrees, you know, a room where that header is won. A striker has to win the ball and head it towards a goal. 
So what, what would you say? At 360 degrees, that space is maybe, I don't know, 40 degrees or something. Degrees like that, that, I mean. yeah, so if you think about that, as a defender, you've got you know, 310 degrees that you can aim for, that's a success. And it's the same with that. You know, the law of average suggests that every time they put that ball up, Julian has to do one thing with it. He has to get the ball and pass it to a Celtic player. If he doesn't do that, the striker's won. You know, there's varying degrees to which extent that striker wins. If he puts it out for a cross, if he puts it out for a corner, if he puts it out for a bike kick, they are all successful outcomes for, if he puts it out for a throw-in, they are all successful outcomes for the striker. Mm-hmm. Julian has to control that ball or pass it to a Celtic player. Whereas a striker just has to upset Julian. He just has to get in the rodium, force him to do something he didn't want to do. And I think that that makes that a difficult job because there's only one thing Julian can do that makes that a successful piece of defending. Yeah. But there's 20 things that striker can do that can upset Julian's uh, Julian's uh, kind of you know his outcome for that for that piece of play. Hard to do. I think he panics. I think he forgets plant his feet, keep around the ball, know where man is, and just touch it. Doesn't need to be anything special. It's too easy. I think he panics. But I also don't think it's the easiest task in the world, especially against a big guy like that. Of course. And I also think that his his temperament comes into it as well because he does lose the rag, and you can see him losing the rag. Aye, because if I have a ding dong for the first, I mean, when did they score? Was it half hour? Roughly? Aye. So if you if you thirty minutes of getting elbowed in the ribs that you don't see in the camera and getting pinched or the rest of it and the guy did do, do him a couple of times oh, beforehand. So should. Um <laughs> then I so I can understand why he kinda gets worked up a wee bit. But I think he's can be also guilty of not overplaying but he's what he sticks too rigidly to the instead of the old your first your your defender first and foremost, get rid of it. That just isn't an option to him, I don't think. Like, yeah. It's very, very rare that yeah. you see that where he just puts it into the stand. Just I'd love to him. see that for I think, I think you're right. I think he overcomplicates defending. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's, he's a big, massive unit, but he plays like a centre midfielder. You know, he sort of plays like a guy who can put a tackle in, but his option would be to stay on his feet. And, you know, I don't want to see that in my centre half. So, Not sometimes Kilmarnock away when that's, no. you're fighting against it. It's a fight, you're down, you're, they drag you down. I mean, like, you're the man in the middle as well, power. He's just dirty, absolutely do. Folk, I mean, but it's effective. Exactly. And it's your job to I, I said at the quote, top yeah. of this segment that Kalantik had a plan and I don't blame them for, for what they do and what they did and they stuck to it really well. I'll give them absolutely all the credit for that. But a friend, should, of, the show, be better, friend of the show was at the game. Oh, physically right. at the game. Physically, jeez. Um, which is a rarity in this day and age. He was in the cherry um, picker really back in the... He wasn't even like cherry for all... He might as well have been. Um, but no, he, uh, he was cherry picked instead to go oh, to the game. Boom, boom, boom. Um, and he said that from the first whistle, uh, Kennedy and Lennon were on at Julian. So I don't know if he meant, I didn't even want to elaborate, but you know, I don't know if he meant you know, that he'd, he'd maybe, um, he would, he'd, you know, he'd maybe made a mistake early on and they just chased him up for it constantly until, you know, whatever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm no surprised to hear that because, you know, as you, as you mentioned earlier, his track record on that surface is abysmal. Um, and I dare say you'd probably be better starting, uh, you know, Iyer with school bully, or Iyer with the Beaton, one of the two on, on a game like that, and so much so that I half think I was thinking it would be the worst thing if I took him off. Seen that? I mean, I think if you were going to play Beaton and Iyer there, Iyer would have to have looked after the Kilmarnock striker. Mm-hmm. Um, Beaton, he's just he's not the most physical, and but he's good, tidy with the ball and all that. But like, and again, I don't know if. Ayer, or I don't know if I'd prefer Ayer or Julian doing that kind of physical role. don't know which one of the two I'm more comfortable with, to be honest. Probably Julian, because he's better in the air. But I, I can understand that. I mean, he's your first choice centre back at the moment. So you need to play him. You need to. Uh, I was impressed with Kilmarnock. The work rate was fantastic. It really was. It was brutal. They, it always, was... they had ten men behind the ball at all times. It was brutal to watch. I know. And that's when you're, when you're playing against a team... 10 times a budget and I don't think anybody would argue against the same substantially better players in pretty much every aspect uh, every area of the park mm-hmm. uh, that's exactly what you want to leave you want to leave saying we gave a lot and we defended well we organised well um, the statistics that come out of that game were unbelievable you know I think it was 20% 35% possession for Kamala yeah. barely a pass strong together in the second half in particular um, Celtic looked as if they huffed and puffed a wee bit how did the subs go for you? How did, what did you think? Did you think you could have done anything different, or was it just a just up against a team that you weren't going to score against if you played? Aye. By the way, for the first time in Rebel Radio history as well, I'm going to go and get another beer while we're oh, sitting here talking. Can, can I get you one? Uh, I'm already just now. In fact, yeah, we as well bring it in. That way, I don't need to get up. Um, well, I think 
I think the bench was the bench was good. We've got depth there, but I would have liked a Tom Rogic to be honest, because we were doing nothing. We were never going to get through the lines. We were never going to get through the line that way. So I think we were kind of looking for somebody to take one on from distance, and in in that squad, either him or Christie, you're looking at the two guys that can hit them. Have got history of scoring kind of spectacular goals from. 20-25 yards so I would have liked Tom Rogic to come off the bench he's obviously struggling with fitness just now and that. so I think the subs we did make were decent but I think I would have made them a bit sooner that's my only other complaint but that's a classic Neil Lennon thing where it, I mean, doesn't he make a sub before 65 minutes ever it's hard he's injured. I know I think because some people go to their games and uh, sounds good Sometimes you go to the games and you don't, you don't really know what to expect. You know, Kilmarnock I think is one of the, the few sort of straightforward ones. But sometimes in the games we could just go to the back. You know what I mean? We could just oh, go definitely. three to the back and, and just let everybody else run forward. And I, I think actually, we'll come to it later on. But Rangers played at Livingston yesterday, and when I compare the two performances, I think against, I would say similar uh, in terms of quality. You know, opposition in terms of defending and you know even the pitch and all that sort of stuff. I think our Result, I think we played a lot better, which yeah. is hard to say. I actually don't think Celtic played that poorly. I think we just came up against a jam-packed defence who were well organised and knew what they were doing. I think, I think Ilgunasi got frustrated quite quickly, and I think he just started charging about. Um, so we lost a bit of his craft. Particularly poor. He was standard. He was. He was. He was. He was, he was annoyed about. I can understand why, but um, I think we we could have. You know, like you could talk about. What could have happened all day? I just get the feeling we could have played there for, you know, 180 minutes and we wouldn't have scored. They just knew what they were doing. But I still think that if somebody in that, someone in that, that 11 has to go, boys, we're not getting through the lines here, start hitting them. And if it comes off, somebody goes out for a corner, brilliant, another 50 50 you've got in the mix. So you've got Julian, you've got Ayer, and El Hamid come on, another big guy. Get them in the mixer. Like, th- there was just no plan B, which was slightly worrying. I think we'll bring in a big centre forward. I think, yeah, uh, probably. Well, we'll get on to the rumours later on, I suppose, but I think. It was good to see Mohamed back as well. Really good. Yep. Um, it was good uh-huh. to, I was surprised to give him many minutes on that surface, but I thought it was unusually, just before we should actually get to our man of the match, just to sort of finish this uh, discussion half and put this game well and truly behind Aye. us, but uh, I actually thought Frimpong was pretty poor, which is really unlike him. Um, usually he's, he's full of energy Aye. and full of penetration in that right hand side, and I thought against our left. I mean, in the second half, Kilmarnock's left back up, left back was playing at left mid, which I think kind of tells you, you know, we, we, you know, we, you know, about how the game went. But I thought Frimpong was a bit subdued and uh, didn't really know what to do playing against such a deep lying sort of left midfielder. Aye, I don't think he got much help for James Forrest either. That's one of the. But well, one thing I would say, we spoke earlier on about that performance. I, <laughs> I don't think you can play Forrest tucked in, uh, and that's what it looked like to me. It looked like he tried to play him in the sort of. Uh, inside right position late with Frimpong kind of bombing up so far and I just think you lose so much his game yeah. with that I think you find that he did that at the beginning of the game the first first game of the season mm-hmm. at home and they come out after half time and he did not move yeah. for the for the touchline so that's his game I don't think many players, it was night and day I don't think there's many players in Europe who can beat a man with his, you know, his, his just easy as Forrest can he just knocks it by him for two years and his pace for the first two or three years just means that very few guys are going to be able to stick with him and I, and I think we lose him so much when you move him inside because he's not got that space to move into. Yep. Uh, that being said, who who do you have for your man of the match? Uh, I think Callum McGregor, again, is a fantastic footballer. and if listen to the pod knows how much I like him, but out of everyone, I think he tried, he tried the best to get on the ball as often as possible and keep things moving forward. Um, I can't remember the exact number, but it is something frightening, like 110 passes, Aye. and he completed 105 of them. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't shy in a way, and he got in and about, and he got about the place. And I think because, again, Brown didn't play particularly well, he was covering two positions quite a lot of the time. Mm. So I, I would, for me, it killed me there. I'm going for Ryan Christie again. Aye. Um, close. <laughs> I think Ryan Christie was the only player that looked to me as if he actually sought out responsibility Aye. during that game. He kind of went out wide and drifted out to the right mid, and you know he even had a couple of shots at goal. But uh, I agree with you with Miss Rogic, but I think uh, for me Christie was uh, 
was pretty much the only one that I thought he, he did okay today. His goal as well was, was great, but um, I was impressed by him. Um, obviously, balling goal, his appearance, Taylor came after him for 10 minutes, but before we obviously find out about Bolly, having looked at Taylor's performance that day, did that change your opinion on Taylor at all? Did you, did I thought you he was having a good game. You think so? Uh-huh, yeah, I know. It's, you said to me that he was, was mince, but I thought he was doing okay. His delivery was not not great, but again, it kind of was compounded by everyone else not having a great day at the office and the Kilmarnock again being very, very quick to close people down. I think they were aware that we're now looking to fund the ball in the box more often, so we need to cut that supply off. But uh, I thought I thought he did okay. Um, I don't have anything in the notes that I made that he was playing particularly poorly, so... He just looked to me as if he was huffing and puffing a wee bit. His ankle might have still been a bit dodgy, because he was carrying a knock. And I think that's why he got hooked at the end, because Neil Lennon just thought, nah, he's got through 80-odd minutes here, or 80 minutes, let's, that'll do. So, well, after that, and obviously after Bolly's antics, um, we've missed two games, which meant that Rangers, obviously, having won their game the day before, could potentially have finished up 11 points clear of us before we kicked a ball. Um, our next league game scheduled is, is Sunday night. Um, yesterday, Rangers dropped points away to Livingston, uh, nothing each draw. Did you see any of that game? Not a single jot. I watched all of it. Nah, um, and I will never get that 90 minutes back. It was hard work. God bless you, mate. It was, uh, it was very hard work, but it was worthwhile because um, obviously that, that basically... We're back to square one. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically it's means that we've missed luck. a chance to go two points clear um, with that Kilmarnock result, but uh, it means that Rangers now can only go a maximum of nine points ahead of us, but it also means that we took three games in hand, mm-hmm. uh, obviously off that nine before we play on Sunday night. So uh, I, they looked look pretty poor. Anibal wasn't playing. Um, it's become increasingly apparent that he's the main man. Mm-hmm. Um, Livingston, similar to Kilmarnock, just camped in, and Brian Kent played really well. Um, he was really good. He was. I can't, I can't tell if you've been. No, I'm serious. He was brilliant. Um, <laughs> it was hard to watch. He was. Uh, he was really good. He was really direct. Really quick on the ball. Uh, I think the surface is suit him because he, you know, he can predict where the ball's going a bit. You know, easier than, than he can maybe some of the, the grass pitches. But he was tremendous. And um, Hadji was rubbish. You know, it was just it was one of the performances where the two guys who were on as well did nothing. So I kind I watched it and I, my dad watched it and I wonder. It was kind of reassuring because sometimes we like to that point you get the feeling you're heating your like. Oh no, they're going to run. I don't really think they're going to do much this year unless they go out and get maybe another good quality midfielder to replace 50 grand Glenn Gamara who just looked like he could have been playing the juniors. Um, and I don't really think they're going to get up too much this year. So we're back to square one, yeah. you know, in real terms, good. but um, it could be that that's maybe not the case when uh-huh. we play on Sunday. I've just found one other note from the game in Kilmarnock, and just when we were talking about subs, and I totally forgot that he came on as well, but I thought in Cham had. Looked as though he should have been introduced a lot earlier than what he was. Surprised that Cham never started that game. Aye, he was he was very good. Um, I've got in my notes that the, the urgency just round the way the whole midfield was lifted yeah. as soon as he came on, and I think I think he should have been on a lot earlier. It's Ranger Parsons. Oh, it's frightening. And he's you know he knows what he's doing, and yep. I think when you're you know when you're chasing a goal rather than having Brown in there, the Dublin Brown is still effective in these circumstances, um, but I think in Cham. Offers you a bit there. Aye, because it's not as if we needed Scott Brown to be shielding the back four when there were seven, seven or eight plus of their team were sitting across the 18 yard box for the majority of the game. So, aye, I think and Cham had a good game, disappointed not to see more of him, um, and I would be I would be worried if there was more chat over the next few days that he was going to be moved on. So, actually, we move on then, who's in? Aye. So, so, do you want to chat about that briefly then? He's been linked by. Uh, a couple of clubs, if I remember right, but um, big fee in it, fifteen twenty million. Yep, that's a no from me. Like we need players like him about the squad for for this year, big time. If you took him out the squad and Brown and McGregor get injured, oh, you're in looking at Sorrow or Connell or mm-hmm. uh, Beaton coming into that role in midfield, and yep. he is the kind of guy that offers us that piece of quality uh, in midfield and in reserve. I think he should be playing more than he is at the minute though. Yeah. Um, for a guy we've got there who's evidently a tremendous football player with a great pedigree. I mean, he was obviously rated by other clubs if you know that this is the rumours not going away. Yeah. Um we should be gaining him the opportunity to, to play with him there. I hundred percent agree. Um when Brown was injured a couple of seasons back and McGregor had to drop into that role, um, I think it was Roger's second season, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And it kind of it got a bit stale 
to be honest. We weren't as slick as we were before, and as soon as Brown was injured and McGregor was back there, and then Cham was in playing and playing really well, we looked like a different beast. And again, from the thirty minutes at the most that he got in Kelly, that's the kind of guy that you want playing well and playing regularly. For me, if we get anywhere than twelve or thirteen million for him, the club are taking it. The big issue for me is that I've spoken about before. There's a Scott Brown's chucking it next year, and it's the commander. You know, it's it's not it's not being discussed. It's a narrative that hasn't been discussed at the start of this season. Scott Brown's not going to be playing for Celtic a year from now, and we need to think about his replacement. No, well, Cham's probably not going to be his replacement. Yeah. McGregor is the guy that you'd think would take the armband and, and you know and play that role, but he's no Scott Brown, and we need to think about who is going to come in and play that because. To sign us a player of a similar quality would could cost a lot of money. Yep. Um, and it's the same with Cham, you know, is he gonna be the guy that drops back, sits in that role and plays there next to McGregor? I think he could. I think he could quite I don't think that's his game. I think it was when he first joined. But having seen him kind of progress over the last last three seasons, I still I don't think I think he is more of a um creative force than a defensive one. I can I, I think Lennon agrees with you. But I think if that's the case, then the club will take money from him. Because they've got Christian Mortgage playing there already. And if they got offered twelve, thirteen million pounds for a player that they bought for four million pounds three years ago, they're gonna take it. Well, I hope not. Because again, Rogic is another one, unfortunately, similar bracket to Lee Griffiths where he can't be kind of trusted to keep fit for lack of a better term. His injury problems are now serious. They were frustrating at first, but now he's hardly kicked the ball since the World Cup. <laughs> like He's not been fit, mm. so we can't we can't rely on calling Rockets off the bench to pull us at a hole. So we need guys like Cham in there to do that, even be that creative force. Who I mean, and Cham doesn't tends not to pick up injuries. Touchwood, so he's you know that he's going to be there, and by all accounts, he's a good pro, lives his life correctly. So I would I would much rather have Olivier and Cham around the club long term. Uh, it was it going? Did we be in, be incoming last week? We did. Um, Albion a What was the fee? Five and a half, five. It's big money for Celtic. Big, big money. Have you seen much of him other than his YouTube highlight reel? Uh, no, I've not seen anything of him on his YouTube highlight reel. I would say that YouTube highlight reel Cracker. looks exactly <laughs> as I do, sir. Also, <laughs> he do what he looks like. Uh, Go Gary, on then. Gary Hooper. Gary Hooper. He looks like Gary Hooper a lot. Aye. He good in the air, good finisher, fast but no rapid, good touch up, a good first Aye. touch. You know, it looks like he knows where the net is. Number of goals you seen where he was kind of feeding off your mistakes or other people's shots at goal. Yep. Um, it's hard. It's so hard to see be a YouTube compilation because for every goal, I mean, I've spoken before. Maradona. I spoke before about the, the John Claude Darshall one when Rangers <laughs> signed the bullet in two thousand and six. Uh, or 2005 I was convinced that Celtic were never going to win a league again because this wee you know absolute rocket playing up front for Bordeaux was going to come here and smash out the Scottish League and it turned out that it was mince because uh, YouTube compilations I, I'm thinking what if myth or whoever it was probably we must have watched that as well because it was it looked unbelievable oh, right. in it definitely um, so no you don't really know what to go after with, with YouTube compilations mm-hmm. but it, it looks really neat and tidy right. I like the fact that West Ham um, have went out and spent 8-9 million pounds for them Um to be fair, West Ham have been a bit of a basket case here club for years now, and I don't really look at his time there with much. Um, I don't really pay no. hang much one. I'm really encouraged by the fact that we thought the deal was did two weeks ago. Yep. Um, because it looked as though the player himself uh, wasn't really interested in Celtic, but he spoke to Neil Lennon. Quite the opposite. <laughs> I he spoke to Neil Lennon, um, and actually, the issue for Ayeti wasn't he that he didn't want to come to Celtic. So he didn't want to come to Celtic on loan. He wanted to come here permanently. Yep. He wanted to be guaranteed, and it looks like he's took a really substantial pay cut. So I've read um, to come here as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everton's kind of trending in the right direction when you hear about right. that stuff. I was talking to my dad uh, last night, I think, or the other night about Menway because he was the same. He asked what type of players we got here because doesn't even all at United look up YouTube for these type of things. So I said, well, from the highlight reel that I saw, he's a predatory type striker. A lot of his goals are for inside the box. Uh, good in the air. He doesn't look the tallest no. either, mm-hmm. but in a He's uh, he scored plenty of headers. His finishes are tidy. He's calm when he's in the box, so that bodes well because Eddie 
is phenomenal, as we all know, but he kind of tends to drift out onto the left and then back in, so we, we don't have a presence in the box for if, say, something gets, the ball gets turned over 15, 20 yards outside the 18 yard box and just launch one in to try and find him. So we've now got, hopefully, got that option. I've got a pretty sweet left back as well. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Doing my women. Um, I've got to say, I, I'm, we've spoken about Griffiths a lot on here, right? I don't want to go over old ground with it. Beating a dead horse. But with the same token, I kind of have reviewed my stance on him a wee bit over the past couple of weeks and I've decided that I'm Team Griffiths. Right, okay. Uh, and the reason for that is uh, <laughs> Team Jacob. Uh, is the, reason that, the reason I'm Team Griffiths is I think he's got a bit of a bum deal. Speaking to a friend the night who asked me a good question, which was, what is it he's actually done? So if I ask you, Griffiths has been written after just now, um, you know, he's been kind of regarded as a guy that Selig, because, you know, it's a bit of a basket case and they probably won't be kicking a ball for Selig for much longer. Mm-hmm. If I say to you since he came back in the summer, what is it he's done that's led you to that conclusion? Well, he hasn't kept himself physically in shape, apparently. Which is, I mean, if you're, I know it's everyone's in the same boat, we're all stuck at home and we kind of get to the gym and all the rest of it, but these guys were all given programmes, mm-hmm. and if the rest of the squad has managed to maintain the the fitness level that they've had before, or only slightly let it drop a touch, then why can't Griffiths have done it? And then he comes back and says that he's injured, but you've got Lennon rolling his eyes at that at a press conference, which to me says that it sounds like excuses. So he's he's... Came back unfit, mm-hmm. Lennon slaughters sort of him in the press. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, Lennon comes back out and says, Johnny's job. He can't even for us. We've asked him to do it. He's went and done it. He's back on. He's back on form. So, do you fairly say that that's no effect anymore? Or is it because he did it? No, but I, no because all of a sudden he was saying that he was injured again. That's why he wasn't in the squad for the game at Command. He's wasn't. done a calf. He was, but I mean, there was also the other thing, which was that he's missing the party. But I don't. Again, the thing think, is, we don't know anything that happened. Uh, yeah. We don't know who was there or whether he was there or you know, we don't know. I'm unsure as to when that video was taken as well. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. And in addition to that, Christopher Ayers pals are over for Denmark the week before, and they're all sitting in cafes. You know what I mean? So, so that's him out with his bubble. That's three or four households for a different country, and yet I don't want to say that's anything wrong there, but I just feel that I feel like he has an easy target. And that's he's a very easy target, yeah. mate. And I've got to say, you know, we've spoken about this before. Uh, you can list after strikers like Griffiths. We have tried to replace him yeah, so every summer times. for eight years. Every summer we've tried to sign somebody to replace Lee Griffiths. It's been Bowery, Pocky, Skepovic, Gadetti. Uh, you know, you can go through a list of 20 of the only ones that have ever been able to do it. Dembele and Edward. That's it. And a Yeti's challenge isn't to get to the first team ahead of Edward. He's, he's a challenge to get to the first team full stop. His challenge is to get in front of Lee Griffiths. And I think that's easier said than done. And I think that Griffiths, with a bit between his teeth, might look at that move and goes that right eye, and try and, and, and try and play up. Mm. And I, I hope he does. I hope he looks at that as a challenge and rises to it the same way he has done with nine strikers before that we've tried to sign. Carlton Cole, Colin Kazim, Richards, even Tony Watts that came through at the squad at the time. Mm. He's seen half every one of them because he, he looks at it as a personal. Remember, remember when he, he scored against Alaska at home and he ran up to the, the, the touchline shouting, I'm number one, mm. the day after Edward signed a £9 million deal. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's, he doesn't look at this the way that you and I do, is this is Griffiths being resigned to the scrap heap. I think he's a wee guy that's got a bit between his teeth, and I, and I hope that's what happens because I think that we could, we, a two three goal, I think he's a great striker, and I think it's great having a left footed striker up there as well who can hit the ball the way he can. So, um, I, anything I've ever said about him in the past, I've decided that I'm rescinding. I'm Team Griff, Aye. and uh, I look for, over under, well, Griffiths, over under for this season, Lee Griffiths, 15 goals. Under. Excellent. Yes. But I think it will be close. Wait, all the games we've got to play? Yes. I think we he's, think he's, he's now going to, to be third minimum. Are we going to play two at front? Well, we'll wait and see what that happens with that. But Probably better. Gentlemen's. We gentlemen's agreement for a test from Bag of cans. I'm going to be over. This doesn't make good radio, but we just shook hands on that there. 15, uh, 15 goals for Griffiths for the season. Okay, no, I think under because I think it's going to be tough for him to get runs of games, and I think Griffiths needs. You don't get Griffiths coming off the bench to score very much. Like he needs ninety minutes consistently to get that touch up and to get um, 
Aye. just to get up to speed and I think he's going to struggle with that even if we are playing two up top and he's maybe the second choice rotation with the Polish party then I still I mean you're a cup game here or you're a cup game there you're not going to be playing Tuesday, Sunday or Tuesday, no. Saturday or whatever else. so I think that's and that's against Griffith's favour there that's, he needs a game time and I don't think he's going to get it um, he may actually not be for the choice because it looks as if I've been linked with another striker. Uh, the Tony deal will not go away, as I say every week. Six and a half million pounds. Six and a half million pounds, apparently. Um, the chairman of the club that he plays for, Barry Fry. Limbaugh, um, man. That guy is something else. Bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Malaga with Bolly. Um, he, he basically has been playing hardball with Celtic, I think, and the idea is it's a six and a half million deal plus add ons. Um, I've not seen enough of Tony. To, to speak Neither. to whether or not this deal is worth money for us um, but the club must fancy him if they're really they're keep going back and we know what Lowell's like he's got next to no patience when it comes to dealing with folk like that and the negotiators like Rob Petrie and I mean, McGinn we'll not we'll no talk about McGinn but he doesn't play ball with these type of guys unless there's a serious talent to be had or if, if it's going to be like so beneficial for Celtic and he is he's obviously keeps going back and forth and having to deal with him so aye they must see something um, I think Tony has the, the deal is definitely in his hands he has the power to decide where he wants to go because I don't think he's short of suitors no. and, aye, so I think again I've not I've not even looked at his highlight reel on YouTube so <laughs> uh, we'll pop it on but uh, it must it must be good if he's I think if we're going to be, be commanding a higher fee than we've paid for a Yeti as well my favourite uh, Peter Lowell negotiating story is Ronnie Dylas you heard it? I don't paraphrase it if you have, because I'm yes. pretty sure it for full of that yeah. Yeah. Um Ronnie is the manager at Strom's good set. Celtic decide that they want to take Ronnie Lyle as their new manager, well, first assistant, but then uh, for a kind of new manager. Um, Peter Lowell discusses the move with Ronnie Dyla, who says yes, and he then discusses the move in a quite a substantially sort of decent um, financial package for Strom's good set. So he speaks to them and, and offers them what he thinks is quite a bit above the market rate um, for Ronnie Dyla's services to buy his contract. Um, Storm's going to try and play hardball. So Lowell makes an agreement with Dyla that he will fly Dermot Desmond's private jet to Norway uh, and negotiate with the Storm's good set chairman on the basis that Dyla promises he will return with him to Glasgow irrespective of what happens. <laughs> um, of course, Lowell flies out to Norway in the private jet and uh, has a 10 minute conversation <laughs> with another way to, with the chairman of Strong's Good Set who continues to try and play hardball uh, and the next conversation is held at Glasgow Airport when Lowell <laughs> phones him and tells him that he's going to be announced as the Celtic manager <laughs> for the next day so he's got two options agree, that he, agree or, or, or go to court um, I can have, this the past couple of weeks has been pretty rough for the club Waffle Park I think with the, with the ball stuff it made international news right. uh, friends of Japan get yep. in contact talking about it um, and Pistol Pete gets a bit he gets slaughtered for his substantial paycheck but I do think that there's very few people you would rather oh. have steering the club through a situation like this than him because he is he's ruthless and he knows uh, he knows the score and I, I, you know I know his faults and I know that you know the people have, have kind of uh, expressed issues with him in the past and that there are stuff, some things that the club could do uh, from, for me in particular the living wage stuff um, but you can't argue that Peter Lowell in a situation of crisis is the absolute go-to boy. You want him in your corner, man. God. Um, Wait, so there's another rumour. A good gin. A good gin. Oh, in the last, what we say, last hour, hour and a half maybe, it's come to my attention that Shane Duffy started following Celtic's official Instagram page. Great news. So, I mean, if, if that is anything to go by, that is the gold standard upon which football rumours are based so he may as well just post a picture of the contract oh aye he's, de- he's a- out this early way now I know it we call it him ah, he's down there um, what a signing that would be if Shane Duffy signs for Celtic you're right it would be an absolute cracker of signing for a number of reasons um, predominantly I think for me it would mean we're probably going to go through the back yep. uh, unless we're looking at back uh, cashing in on Ayer um, but if we get Duffy I, I suspect he would probably just sit in the middle of the two and tell them what to do right um, you know, he's no the, the 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 fastest. He's no the biggest. He's no the strongest. He is a big boy. But he's he's no he's no as big as I am. He's no as big as Julian. He's six foot six one. He looks so. I saw a video of him in a pub, 
singing a tune, singing the ribs, basically. Nobody else has seen that. No, I know. Who's, who's showed you that? I know. Uh, and he's, uh, either that or his mates are just tiny, but he was sitting next to a couple of boys, and that was the first thing I said to my dad. I was like, Jesus Christ, he's a unit. He's 193 centimetres, so he's 6'4". He's, nah, he's a big boy, man. Yep. Aye, he's a big, he's a big chap. It's been, Celtic have been crying out for that type of player, I think, for the last, maybe four or five seasons minimum a good kind of dare I say Irish Republican guy who understands everything who wants to be there and who will literally fight for the going there? aye aye we've not had anyone like that and there has been how many times over the last few years have we called Celtic toothless and I think it's you can't expect Scott Brown to do everything all the time there has to be someone else there that knows what the club's about and what you know, what's demand, what what the expectations are. So I think a player like that is... You kind of see what Rav's got. Ideal. Rav's got a battle of clavel on just now. He's popping bullet holes in the ceiling. I'm just pushing this AK-47 back under the couch. Yeah, he seems Some like he's sleeping for this. No, um, I don't disagree with you, mate. I think, I think uh, a lot of the stuff you said is dead on, and I think he he would be able to organise. He would be a leader. Um, and first and foremost, he's a, he's a good footballer. And the fact that he'd be sitting in a boozers uh, in a bog side... Last week, singing uh, Here We Go, 10 in a row. Um, that only just comes into it. Fills me with, with hope and pride that he would be Sunday in the dressing room who understood the importance of the season mm-hmm. uh, coming up because no everybody maybe does. Um, so no, I, I think, I think no since the John McGinn signing, which, which we don't really tend to talk about, no. has there been such a shoot in where you look at a guy and go, he would be absolutely ideal. Perfect. And I've got to say as well, since we sold Hayes, we don't have any Irish players playing for us. I know. And I always do like to have an Irish player playing for us. We've yep. had that when, when Stokes left in 2016, we signed Hayes. Um, and I'm, you know, not no because of the, the, you know, but just because the club's uh, 2017. So we, we, uh, Hayes signed. So we've always had Irish players playing for us at the minute, apart from Luke O'Connell. Uh, and O'Connor, who's been to the Tranmere Rovers on loan. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we don't really have any Irish players in the first team, so it'd be good to have, good to have somebody uh, in there. Yep. So we're, we're represented in, in all fronts with both Scottish players and um, Irish players. Uh, just one final piece of news then, because I know we are dragging on a wee bit. Uh, Hickey's away to Bayern. Yep, that was the chat coming out of Twitter this afternoon. I think it's now slowly dribbling out of other news uh, outlets as well. So, five year deal. I'm unsure of a fee. Um, fair play to the lad. Like, we were talking about earlier on, and I thought, why would you go even. Realistically, is he likely to? to play any first team minutes for Bayern Munich don't know we don't know but but I think it will be very very tough for him I don't think it's a well I think you're right I think it'll be very tough for him to get that first team but I don't necessarily think where he is just now it's about that no he's 17, 18 isn't he it's um, easy he, he's going to go and play for one of the biggest clubs in the world and he's going to learn for the best players in the world and the best coaches in the world and he's going to see what it's like to play at the highest level of the game and there's probably only five or six hundred players in the world just now who are getting that sort of experience, and he's been brought into that. Yep. That's grade A, biggest club in the country, top five biggest clubs in the world, historically one of the greatest clubs in the world, and Aaron Hickey for, for the West End of Glasgow is going to go and play for them. And going to work every day and learning off of guys like David Alaba and um, yeah, what's he called the Canadian left back? It's frightening now. Talking about me earlier on. What's his name again? Alfonso Davies. I going and just what I mean the amount you could learn from just observing a training session. Never mind being involved in one with these guys must be just off the charts. It would so. be. A, I know he is a Celtic fan. You've seen the photo of him in a Celtic scarf. Aye, he was with us before. Aye. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think you can blame him for that. I'd, I'd love to have seen him come here. He might still end up here. You know, two or three years in the line. He might do in his twenties if he gets the chance to move out. Um, it does make me wonder who we're going to go for at left back because we definitely do need one um, for me it would be Charlie McGrew still um, but I don't know if you're going to have that uh, I just uh, good luck to him uh, one of the best he's not playing for Celtic you probably won't hear his name in this podcast ever again no, but I heard the rumour that he was he was keen to come and it was pretty much done um, so ah well I think Barry Douglas's name has been mentioned Barry Douglas sorry Oh, I would I would probably take that. Aye. Probably. If there was <laughs> not much else going round, but well, I don't know what ten that'll mean Aye. because uh, he's probably <laughs> he's probably dreading it at this particular <laughs> point in time. Yes, so I would really have a conversation about that one. Uh, I'll move briefly over to Candy Corner. Um certainly like a couple of weeks ago there has not been a great deal happening uh, in Candy Corner. 
thanks to Bolly Ball and Golly, uh, all clubs out with the Scottish Premiership have been told not to train until the 25th of August. So thanks to Bolly Ball and Golly, St Rocks weren't able to train up at All Saints this weekend, um, which is just mental when you think about the knock-on effect. One guy. Th- thanks to Bolly jumping on a plane to Malaga for a couple of, for a night um, with his girlfriend. Uh, St Rocks nearly to train on Saturday morning. So um, that's about it. There's really no much to go on for, for Candy Corner at, at this particular moment. Right. Um, but that should start changing in the next few weeks as the players start training. And, uh, and things gonna start to to, to ramp up for there. Nice one. Um, preview. Should we preview? Should we do we banter years? What do we do? We finish with banter years because we've not really done previews before. I will preview the game. I preview the game first. Okay. Uh, Celtic play Kia Reykjavik tomorrow night. Yep. Paradise Pass seven forty-five. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking Seems I've been robbed for well. two games that I should have been able to watch. Do you think you just start the same team as you did against? Uh, Kamark, or do you suspect he'll maybe bring Chan in? I suspect Chan will feature from the start. I hope so. Uh, I noticed that Luca Connell's named in the squad as well. I'd like to yep. see him get some game time because he looked really impressive against Ross County at home in the pre-season game. Um, they played Kia Reykjavik in 2014, do you remember? Uh, only briefly, I couldn't tell you the score. Me and you were playing fives, didn't we? Uh, okay. um, it was, I think we had won 2 0 away. Callum Adega made his debut for us, he scored. Um, it was one of the dialers games and it was a leg before we beat Rutley like, Warsaw 3 2 on uh, a 4 4 1 4 2 4 3 yep. on, um, on goal difference <laughs> uh, <laughs> when the football won. Um, so I, we've played them before, m- m- famous last words, but my understanding of them is that they are basically a sort of amateur side, yep. um, you know, despite the fact that they're pro in, uh, so they're, they're pro in Iceland, they're, they're not the highest level um, and that we should probably be quite comfortable with that. I think so. I think it will just. It needs a a nice easy ten minutes to like, ease into the game and just get a rhythm going. And I think I think should be sort of business as usual. I'd be very surprised if they gave as much of a fight. To be honest. When he said today that a Yeti is fit for the bench but not fit to start. Yep. So we should get to see something like that. Yep. I would again uh, having not had those other games. I think you want to give the guys that he knows that are good for a start in eleven minutes. And then at the 65 minute mark, you know he's coming on. So, <laughs> um, Anything else you want to talk about before that? Uh, not particularly, I think that's covered it. We'll do banter years. Uh, just to clarify, our next fixture, which we won't talk about, Sunday United away on Sunday, half past five. Quite a tough fixture United uh, on the United weekend. Is, um, did I just read somewhere that Shankland was injured? Or no, as far as I know. I don't know. No, I may have just been. I may have just missed that, but. I think that'll be I think that'll be similar to Kilmarnock. I think a lot of the lower half of the table are gonna try and set up like Levy and Kilmarnock have because I mean it's they've got points out of it that you would you would never bank on. So I think unfortunately that Kelly template is is gonna we're gonna to have to see that quite a lot this year. And I think Dundee United might do that. Which would be disappointing because it's gonna be another hard 90 minutes mm. to watch <laughs> as a fan it's a shame because I like Tannadice it's a guy I'd really like to be going back to um, as we spoke about before so um, hi bit gutter uh, ok for the banter years moment of the week I'm going to pose you a question mm-hmm. okay. what do these clubs have in common ok mm-hmm. Bologna Leicester Crystal Palace Everton Lille Newcastle Atletico Madrid Aldo Halley Lazio, West Ham, Napoli, Borussia Dortmund, Aston Villa, Galatasaray, Brighton, Sevilla, Valencia, Inter Milan, three Chinese Super League clubs. Uh, they have all been linked with Alfredo Morelos. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> they're, all, they're all buying them. They're all buying them. They're all queuing up. At some point in the past man. two and a half years, each and every one of those clubs has been linked specifically by the Daily Record, of course, um, to be to be to uh, to be rumoured as signing uh, Alfredo Morelos. That's about eighteen clubs, mate. <coughs> I have never seen that before. Where a player like I've never and he's seen still been sold. I've never seen a, a, a club so desperate to sell anybody before, and a, and a newspaper so keen to link. <laughs> um, That's brilliant. The last, the most recent ones were the Barcelona Real one. We've seen oh, that. Like it was like it, it could make a move. Very would go up another level, sort of mm. stuff. All right, good luck to me. We'll find out, I guess, eh? Aye. Uh, well, 
my banter years of the, the week moment is um, from July the 5th, 2017. I guess. Aye. Progress. Yes. Be, was it? Yes. Good guess. And uh, uh, to quote our friends at the Daily Record once again, Pedro Bushwhacked. Pedro Bushwhacked. Your man standing in a bush, shouting abuse at fans that are giving it out, <laughs> out, out. And uh, I don't even know who it is. There's some club official who's got a hold of him trying to pull him out, but it's, it was excellent. It truly was car crash TV at its best. So I was lying in my kip uh, with my then girlfriend watching James Bond films, of old course, James Bond classic. films. Um, it was a particularly warm night, so I was lying in Tappy, the bed, um, with the window wide open. And uh, I was trying to sneaky the game on my right hand, doing it in my pocket. So I was kidding on, I was watching the iPad there. But in actual fact, my right hand, I had the phone out, and I was sitting watching the progress game. And uh, I was capable of keeping my head down for the first goal. But when the second goal went in, uh, I jumped up and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the moment. Uh, as did my dad downstairs, uh, much to the dismay of uh, a partner, my then partner. <laughs> Uh, so I no, 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 it was a great bit when he done the next year I mean, but you can probably imagine how the last few long after that it was a good night I'll give you that so what are you waiting to do tonight? we'll just go on the cans and watch YouTube <laughs> sounds no bad well cheers cheers my friend Thanks. and uh, if we get the chance to do this again yeah, we should yeah. definitely do yeah. so maybe, maybe we'll have an away game there in England you're more welcome I've got space for you now uh, thanks very much for listening and uh, we'll speak to you, I'll see you in the next few weeks. Aye, cheers folks, see you later.